welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log Day 78 The Compulsion to Earn Last Christmas, I had a conversation with a friend of mine And we were talking about his class schedule. So he's still in university. He was looking at his schedule for the upcoming semester, which is now, actually. And he was looking at all of the available classes that would meet the requirements for what he needed for his degree. One of those classes was Philosophy 101, right? It was Intro to Philosophy. And he started reading out the sort of like course description, which philosophers would be covered, those sorts of things. And some of them... I was a fan of, right? Some of them were classic philosophers, and some of them were really bad, you know, like Kant and Nietzsche and those sorts of people. But when he started reading the philosophers, you know, I knew at least a little bit about most of them. And then he was surprised because he didn't realize that I had studied some philosophy, right? I'm by no means an expert, of course. But he was saying that he wanted to start to get into philosophy because we would have theological discussions and philosophical discussions and those sorts of things. So for Christmas, I got him a copy of Nicomachean Ethics, which is, I think, a fantastic book. I'm a big fan of the idea of virtue ethics, right? We talk about acquiring virtue and, of course, in Orthodox speak, holiness all the time. And I think some of the ideas from the Greek philosophers can be rather useful. And, of course, Orthodoxy supports that belief. As long as you double-check all of it against the gospel and Orthodox teachings, if you find some synchronicity, that can be very useful. Now, that being said, after I got him a copy, I felt inspired to reread, and of course, in my case, that means re-listen, to Nicomachean Ethics. And there was a section, a little snippet in chapter one, that when I was listening, I was at the gym listening to this, I stopped my workout, I rewound the audiobook, and painstakingly typed out the quote, threw it into the field log Google sheet, right, the spreadsheet, so that we could have an episode on it. And I'm going to read you that quote now, and then we're going to dive into the ideas, and it's going to be very obvious why I want to talk about this. Now, the quote goes, The life of money-making is one undertaken under compulsion, and wealth is evidently not the good we are seeking, for it is merely useful for the sake of something else. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Right? Money is not an end in itself, it's just useful for something else. Now, for a little bit of background, Aristotle in, in that first chapter is trying to determine what's the good towards which human life is ordered. Right, Everything that we pursue, he argues, we either pursue because it's going to help us get something else we're pursuing, or we pursue it for its own sake. And then he systematically goes through the things that people might want in life, And one of the things he discusses is money. He says, people pursue money, but is money the end, all be all? Is it it the thing that we're looking for in life? And he says, no, well, because money is just useful to acquire something else. And of course, if you've read the book, you'll know that he eventually comes to the conclusion that the good we're seeking is happiness. And I think he says something along the lines of true happiness is achieved by acquiring virtue, which these are all things I can get behind. I'm not personally huge on stressing happiness. I don't really think about happiness much. I don't think it's that important. You know, joy, I think, is more important. That being said, 
This sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This is something I say all the time, right? We have an episode called Money as a Tool. And a lot of the ideas from that episode are probably going to pop up here. But I want to focus a bit more on the first part of the quote where Aristotle says, the life of money-making is one undertaken under compulsion, right? Compulsion meaning forced. So we make money as, as warrior kings because we have to, right? People who earn money do it because they have to, not because it's good in and of itself. That's the idea here. So let's talk about, let's talk about the second half first. Actually, I'm going to flip the order. Let's talk about the second half first so we can just refresh our minds on that a little bit. And I definitely recommend that you go listen to the two episodes on money that we've already done where what is it the the root of all evil and money as a tool go listen to those and you can do that after this if you want to and then this episode is going to talk about yet another aspect around the philosophy of money of course now the second half reads wealth is evidently not the good we are seeking evidently he's saying it's obvious and a lot of the ancient philosophers used to argue like this. They would say, this is self-evident. This is something we can all agree on. Of course, philosophy has since then moved beyond that and things that are considered self-evident, even though everyone still acts like those things are self-evident, like, for example, treating people with respect and you know, not hurting people unnecessarily. A lot of these things are brought into question in philosophy, which has ultimately led us to solipsism. This idea that the only thing you can know is that you exist, and maybe not even that. Everything else is up for debate. So self-evidence is no longer something people in philosophy take for granted. Of course, as Christians, especially as Orthodox Christians, we have a classical view of this. We believe that God is real, the world is real, we are real, and the things are as they appear, by and large. But Aristotle says that it's evidently not the good we're seeking, right? He's saying this is obvious. And that's interesting. Because I don't know how many people at this point, you know, in the street would agree with this. I think a lot of people are starting to believe that money is inherently good, right? In its own right, it's inherently something good, right? That wealth itself will make you happy. And you hear this joke all the time, right? If you think money can't buy happiness, you've never ridden a jet ski. Now, this is ironic because even that proves Aristotle's point in that the money was only useful to buy the jet ski, which then the activity was the thing that was bringing you happiness in that moment. But I think we can all get behind this, that if you had a million, 10 million, 100 million dollars, and your spiritual life was in shambles, and your body was sick, and all of those things, you couldn't use the money, right? We always talk about this stewardship. The only utility of the money is to take care of the people around you and to achieve your God-given purpose. If you had all this money and nothing to do with it, it'd be pointless, right? Even people who believe that money is an inherent good have to admit that if you can't spend the money, it's pointless. Right? I watched this movie recently, and I forget the name of it, but it's on Netflix, and it has Idris Elba in it, which I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a fantastic actor, which is why I watched it. And it was your sort of like classic crime movie, and he plays a CIA agent, and I wish I remembered the name of the movie. He plays a CIA agent who is tracking down terrorist activity and there's a point where they get this flash drive with $500 million on it. And the other character in the movie has the flash drive and basically is trying to trade it with somebody. And the buyer that he ends up finding 
says, I'll give you a passport so you can flee the country and $100,000. And the man with the flash drive says, you're going to give me $100,000 for $500 million? To which the buyer responds, you're not really in a position to argue. You're not really in a position to negotiate. Which is absolutely true. That $500 million is useless to him. Right? He can't use it. How's he going to use it? He needs to get out of the country. So the utility of the money comes from its utility. And again, sounds like a play on words. It's not meant to be a play on words. It's only useful when it's useful, when you can use it. So wealth is evidently not the good we're seeking. As men living the warrior king life especially, we do pursue wealth, right? We build wealth. We work hard. We advance in our careers. We start investing and start a side business. All of those things. We budget, right? Episode on budgeting came out last week. Listen to that. So we do work for it, but only because of what it can do for us. Now, if you take something else, for example, the connections you have with the people in your life, your wife, your children, your brothers, your church community, the maybe the, the leisure activities you pursue, these are all things that you actually do for their own sake, right? Because they're fulfilling or they're bringing you in line with your purpose, interacting with people, right? The relationships you build, these are things that you do for their own good. But the sentence goes on, For it is merely useful for the sake of something else. It's only useful. Money is only useful when you can use it for something else. And this actually makes a lot of sense if you think about what money is. Money is an analog for value. It's not perfect, but it's meant to be a way to measure and store value, right? Hypothetically, the way an economy works is I make a table, I put work into it, the table is useful to somebody, and then I can trade that table to that person for something that's useful to me, maybe food or something along those lines, water, shelter. But because it's hard to estimate and hard to, um, hard to predict what people would want, right? If you keep making tables and you try to t- trade it to somebody who is a baker for a loaf of bread or maybe 10 loaves of bread or something, and the baker says, I already have a table, then that's useless. So that's where money comes in. Money is a value store, right? You make the table, you give it to somebody for money, and then you can use the money to buy the loaves of bread, and then the baker can use the money to buy what he needed. Maybe he didn't need a table, maybe he needed a chair, and you only make tables. So that way, you can basically hold on to and transfer value. That's what money is. And if you start to think about it like that, you will very quickly see why money can't be a good for its, for its own sake. Why you can't possibly claim that we pursue money for its own sake. Because it's just storing value so that you can eventually use it to acquire something else later. Right? And once you start thinking about it like that, it actually becomes quite easy to let go of maybe, you know, you have greed in you or maybe you're drawn to money for its own sake and you've been sort of deluded and the devil has turned it into an idol for you. Once you start to think of it as a tool and start to see it only as a tool, it becomes a lot easier to let go of it. Now, not guaranteed, because you might say, I still need this tool because I want all the nice things, the cars and the the clothes and the watches and whatever else. But I would say that this is the first step to letting go of money. So that's the idea of the second half there. And a lot of this we've talked about in the Money as a Tool episode, obviously. But I wanted to cover the whole quote so that we can focus on the first half now. The life of money-making is undertaken under compulsion. This is something that's going to rub some people the wrong way. I understand that. Not you, because as someone living the warrior king life, as someone on episode, what is this, episode 78, day 78 of the Field Log podcast, you understand why we talk about stewardship as something very important, why we talk about acquiring wealth 
as something that's very important in your life. The life of money-making is something you do under compulsion. You do it because you have to, right? Nobody wants to work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week on a job that he doesn't particularly enjoy, right? I've talked about this before. I make the large majority of the money that I earn comes through tech, right? Programming, software development. I don't like technology. I'm not a fan of technology. I like to do things manually. I prefer manual activities. I like walking, right? I like when I'm playing a game, I like board games. I like chess. I prefer chess over video games. I do like movies, I'll be honest. But I like manual activities like that. Technology is absolutely useful and I will use it, but this is not something that I do because I have a passion for programming. So a lot of us are in this position, right? If you, for example, invest in real estate, do you have a passion for owning houses that other people live in? Something tells me probably not. Right, you should definitely take it seriously and make sure that the home is habitable and well-maintained, of course. You want to provide value, you want to do a good job and be an honest businessman. That being said, a lot of the stuff that we do to make money, we do because we have to. How much more so is that true for us specifically? Right? There are people in this world who have exceptional spiritual gifts, you know, great humility, great faith, maybe strong insights, forgiveness, those sorts of things. And these people, their time would be best spent pursuing those gifts and using them to help the world. Now, we as men living the warrior king ethos have understood that our strengths are in the realm of discipline, right? Capacity, capability, right? We talk about this all the time, ability and intent, right? Our intentions are pure. We do things to try to help others and to further the kingdom of God. But we might not have these sorts of spiritual gifts. I'm not saying that you can't, you might, I don't know. But the idea is that we've found that the best way we can serve the world is by pursuing leadership to essentially take it away from the people who do it for their own good. And we're going to be talking about this tomorrow and the day after that. I have two field logs planned on the idea of power. So obviously stay tuned for that. But that's why we do it. We earn money. We make building material wealth a large portion of what we spend our time on because we have the skill set for it and someone has to do it. Right? If you're someone who's very big and very strong and you're a good fighter, for example, you might join the military. I've used this example before. Because you know that someone has to defend this country and you realize that you're the best man for the job. You might enjoy it. You might enjoy fighting and struggling. You might not. But you realize that you're called to it. It's your duty. I'm by nature a minimalistic person. right? I don't like objects cluttering my space. I usually do things very simply. Now, I do like beauty, of course, and that's another reason why I'm into fashion. But the earning of money is something undertaken under compulsion for me. And for you as well, I would imagine, especially if you fully committed yourself to the seven commitments, understanding that the first commitment is to God, then you would probably much rather spend your time in prayer, in reflection, at church, right? Maybe with other people from church discussing spiritual things. That probably brings you more fulfillment or you want to spend time with the people you love, your family, your wife, your children, your brothers, Right, I would imagine you'd much rather do that, right? If I had my say, if I had unlimited money, I would probably spend most of my time just doing Warrior King-related things and doing art, right? Those are the things that bring me joy. Like, that's what I would like to do. But I do have to spend time earning money. I do have to spend time doing business. I do have to spend time investing. And you do as well, right? There's two ways you can stress 
the first half of this sentence, right? You can focus on the fact that the life of money making is one undertaken under compulsion because money is just something that's good for something else, right? You can focus on the fact that it's not good in in its own right, right? It's not good inherently. Or you can focus on the word compulsion itself, that you have to make money. You have to make money. And that's kind of what I want to stress today, is that if for some crazy reason, almost 80 field locks in, you're still not convinced that you have to go out there and work harder than everyone else and be more deliberate about how you spend your money and make money, that this is something you have to do if you're still not convinced, this isn't for you. This lifestyle is not for you if you still believe that you don't have to make money, right? I was having a conversation with a friend of mine at church today and he's been with this girl for, he's been dating this girl for, I want to say a little more than a year at this point and they're in love. You know, I'm very happy for them. They're a great couple. She's a wonderful girl. And he was telling me today that they're now starting to, you know, get into the preliminary, I suppose, stages of planning their wedding, right? Talking about, maybe getting married. So I asked him, I was like, does that mean you're engaged yet? Like, did you propose? Like, what, what, do you, what timeline are you guys looking at? He tells me September of next year. Context, I'm recording this in April of 23. He's talking about September of 24. And I told him, this is why for the last close to two years, I've been telling you to start taking money making more seriously because she's in school and she wants to finish up school. I imagine that a large part of her reason is the fact that he doesn't have a particularly lucrative occupation, right? She's probably a little concerned about his ability to provide fully, so she wants to finish school. And, you know, whatever their situation is, I I can't particularly, you know, know all the details. But what I'm saying is that if you're rejecting the idea of money making, there will be consequences, right? And I'm not judging him. He's one of my closest friends, right? And I, we, he and I have talked about this. He knows I disagree with him. I know he disagrees with me. That doesn't mean we don't love each other. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you decide that money making is something you don't want to pursue, you have to be ready for the consequences, right? I'm in a point in my life where I could at the drop of a dime just start taking care of three, four people, right? If, if somehow miraculously, right? I had a wife and then two children, boom, just, it just happens. I could handle that no problem. If you wanted to, you could even double that. I'm in a position, I've positioned myself the way men used to, by the way, I've talked about this before. Men used to leave their mother and father, go and make their wealth, and then start looking for a wife. That's the way I think it should be done. That's why I think this tradition of men building their wealth before they start dating and looking for a wife, I think is very prudent, I think is the right word. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't date before you, you know, make six figures or $200,000 or whatever else. You can still absolutely date and you might still meet somebody and then you know, work it out and build the plane as you're flying it. That being said, there are drawbacks to rejecting that compulsion, the compulsion to earn, the compulsion to earn money. I believe that this compulsion is on every man, maybe not to the degree that we do it, as men who live the warrior king life, but I do believe that every man should take finances seriously, right? If you believe, if you're a traditional man and you believe that as a man, you have to protect and provide, if you believe in that, providing happens with money. 
And then, of course, protecting, money plays into that as well, but physical strength predominantly. Then you need to take these things seriously. It's a practical argument, right? That's what we're saying by compulsion, is that the world that we live in, the reality is that you have to earn money. And I know that in some ways I'm preaching to the choir here, but I want to remind you of this, especially if you're not fully on board yet. I want you to take the example of my friend that I mentioned, right? My very close friend, my brother in Christ, and think what would happen if you were in a relationship with a girl and she was ready to get married to you, or maybe you are in that position already, and she's ready to get married to you, maybe you're already married, you're looking to have kids. If you were in that position and then realized, I don't have the financial resources to do this. So now my wife has to go work too, and I wanted her to be able to spend all of her time with the kids so that they can have the mother around, right? I saw this study recently that, and I'll probably try to find it and link it in the footnotes if I can, but I saw a clip of it describing it, that there was a study looking at children and how they were treated by their parents, right? How much love and affection and coddling, if you will, they were given and how independent they were later in life. And the children who were shown more love and more affection were more independent later in life. And the correlation never stopped, right? There was no such thing as giving your children too much attention and love. That doesn't mean, you know, letting them walk all over you and letting them do whatever they want. But, you know, your child cries and let's say you're not busy, you go pick it up and you try to, you know, rock it back to sleep or whatever. So if a, if a mother is in the home full time and the child can connect with its mother 24-7 while the husband is out earning enough money for the both of them, that's going to yield healthier and happier children. And I know that this is something very controversial to say, right? Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just relaying what the, the science says, right? This is, was a study done, right? This isn't supposed to be political in any way. The reality is just that a child who gets more time and affection from its parents, particularly its mother, is going to be more independent and emotionally healthy later in life. If you want to provide that for your children, you have to earn money. You have to grind now. In, I'm assuming your 20s, right? Most of the guys listening to this are probably in their 20s, maybe 30s. But you do that now, and especially if you're married, you catch up. Do it now. Make sure that your wife can spend all of her time with the children so that your children don't have to be emotionally stunted. And what's the opposite of independent? I suppose dependent later in life. Do that. If not for your sake, if not for your wife's sake, do it for the children. So I want you to think about that today. I want you to think about what is your relationship with money, right? We stressed the compulsion bit, right? That was the part I wanted to focus on today. But does this quote ring true to you? Do you feel like, A, you have a compulsion to earn money and that you're called to do this, to build wealth for your children and for your family and for your church? And B, do you understand that money is useless unless you spend it? Think about that today, right? Make a note in your notes app as usual. Make a note in your calendar. Carve out a little bit of time. Maybe you're in the car right now. When this episode ends, you can just press pause. Maybe sit in silence for five to ten minutes. And think about that. Are you committed to this? Are you committed? Do you understand that you don't really have a choice here? That there is a compulsion to make money and you can reject it if you want, right? I'm not your daddy. You don't have to do what I tell you, but there will be consequences. You will not be the man that God is calling you to be, that your wife needs you to be. So think on that today. 
reflect on that a little bit. Go back and listen to The Root of All Evil and Money is a Tool episodes and see if there's anything in there that you've forgotten recently. And I'll be sure to do the same thing, of course. If you do that, you understand that money is just a tool, but a tool that you need regardless, like a lawnmower, it's just a tool, but you need it to cut your grass. If you understand that, I think that your relationship with money will be very healthy and that you'll be able to earn enough to make sure that your family is taken care of as a man should. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.